November in San Angelo, Texas is usually quite pleasant. A cool fall breeze, fall festival events in full swing, all leading up to Thanksgiving weekend. But on November 13, 2020, the fall felt different as the pandemic was starting to take hold on Tom Green County and starting to fracture the tight-knit community. Ayla Wallace, San Angelo Freedom Defenders. A pandemic shouldn't be political, but in America, and especially in Texas, everything always is. And it's about to get even worse when local resident Caleb Wallace confidently steps up to the speaker podium at the COVID task force meeting, a meeting being broadcasted live online for local residents to see. I'm bombarding y'all with emails, and I hope one day you'll actually respond to one of my emails. You said you'd be glad to respond. In front of Caleb stands the mayor of San Angelo, the Tom Green County Health Director, and other top city leaders. Behind him, the city attorney sits quietly. Everyone is wearing a mask, except... Caleb. These socialist ideas are coming from California. We, like, I can't tell the difference between you or Governor Newsom. I can't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference if I have freedom to breathe free air or breathe it behind, sucking air between, behind this thing. To make his point, Caleb pulls a black mask from his pocket and holds it defiantly in the air. By the time Caleb took to the mic on this November day, 1,478 active cases had been reported in the city of fewer than 120,000 residents, and the number was going up quickly. I'm Cody Broadway, an NBCLX storyteller in Los Angeles, but San Angelo, Texas is my hometown. So going home to tell this story was very personal. Over the past year, several family members have contracted COVID-19 and a few friends have died from the virus. To some, they are just numbers, but to the people that knew and loved them, it's a daily reminder that we're losing this battle against a terrible disease. A battle not just of biology, but a fight over ideology, values, and what it means to be a community. So why are so many of our neighbors dying to be wrong? And what is the price we pay for COVID misinformation? Here. San Angelo is an interesting mix. A good percentage of the population here is rural and rural conservative. That's John Tufts. He's a reporter for San Angelo Standard Times, a local newspaper in San Angelo. We meet in an office space that feels more like a law firm in the middle of a building that feels largely vacant. They stopped printing the paper locally years ago. All that is left are old printers and a few cubicles. And yet at the same time, San Angelo is, is urban. On the one hand, we have people who believe that you, you should wear a mask. And then we have people on the other side of the aisle and they don't want to live their life, I guess you could say, in, in fear. We hear that a lot these days, not wanting to live in fear. How did being safe and living without fear become mutually exclusive? I asked Cactus Jack Smith about it. I've never been one to go hide in a ditch somewhere. Uh, I'm gonna go on. If the good Lord wanted me to die by a bug, I'd die by a bug. And that mask or nothing else is gonna stop that. Cactus Jack is tall, slender man in his 70s or 80s if I had to guess. He's wearing a tan cowboy hat, a dark vest with a U.S. Marshal badge clipped on the chest. He performs Western reenactment shows at the local fort. He's what some would call in West Texas a gunslinger. We love the old West, I know I do. I've been told you were born 100 years too late, and I probably was. But uh, it's a good way of life. It's uh, honest. We tell it like it is. 
A handshake is where it is. You don't need a piece of paper. I met Cactus Jack Smith just hours after landing in San Angelo. So out of respect and concerns for his health after traveling by plane, I greeted him with a fist bump. He quickly put me in my place, grabbing my fist, opening my hand, and shaking it, reminding me that we're in Texas and we shake hands here. We'll hear more from Cactus Jack later. Days before my trip back to San Angelo for this story, the city received the unwanted distraction of being named the fastest growing Texas city for COVID-19 cases. I do this several times a day. This is reporting the daily COVID case numbers, and it's Sandra Villarreal's responsibility. We had a water leak, so... She is the health services director for Tom Green County, and she allowed me to follow her for a morning while she reported the daily COVID case numbers. This has been a little workhorse <laughs> for 18 months. Sandra joked as she pulls page after page from the big copier printer that sits in a room just down the hall from her office. So here's my other ones. Um, my other reports. She carries about 60 pieces of paper from the copy room back to her desk. Each piece of paper represents sickness and possibly death for so many of her residents. So yeah, at least this is for today, so far. The office feels empty. Just Sandra and another gentleman taking up two of the office spaces. You could have easily mistaken this Wednesday morning for the stillness and quiet of a Saturday afternoon. Sandra knows that feeling well. She hasn't had a day off in 18 months. I would say we might get another printing in about an hour. Today is going to be a high number day, I can already tell. It's kind of hard, yeah, when you don't, you can't really follow your um, pandemic plans. As Sandra sits at her desk behind stacks of papers in her gray laptop, she tells me that COVID really didn't come as a big surprise. Maybe this particular virus was novel, but not a threat of a pandemic. The city's emergency team had been practicing their pandemic response plan for years. They were prepared for this germ but not for the governor. The new mask divide, Texas banning masks mandates in places, including schools. By the middle of next month, the U.S. may finally be a United Nation, broadly implementing the CDC's new guidance for the fully vaccinated. But today in Texas, the governor issuing an executive order banning some entities from requiring masks with violators facing a possible $1,000 fine. Texas Governor Greg Abbott's orders put the city's emergency team in a difficult position. Other than vaccines, he banned the only line of defense they had practiced for years, masks. You know, our pandemic plans that we have exercised basically for years and years. I mean, we have practiced these through tabletops with our um, stakeholders, our partners. But one of the things that was part of that were non-pharmaceutical interventions. You know, yeah, social distancing, the mask wearing, closures and those types of things. And um, that has always been part of our plan, but now it's like we really can't exercise those. San Angelo Mayor Brenda Gunner invited me to meet her downtown at a restaurant. I just missed the lunch crowd, but there were still a few people hanging around front. I've been here before, many times actually. In fact, my wedding rehearsal dinner was in this very same room. Okay, I'm ready. Awesome. So, uh, like I said, this will be very conversational. Look at me right here. She's dressed in all white and wearing a strand of pearls while sitting directly across from me. What's the message? Well, the message is defined. We cannot make you wear masks. We are not going to close the businesses. We are not going to reduce occupancies because we've been told we can't. But you do know what it means when we say taking personal responsibility. If you 
are nervous and you own a business, you don't have to open the doors. If you um, have um, a weak immune system, you don't have to go out. But there's also resentment in citizens when they go, I shouldn't have to be forced to stay in my house because somebody else won't practice personal responsibility. When the mayor brings up personal responsibilities, it reminds me of the conversation that I had with gunslinger Cactus Jack just days prior. Some people will let them let that stop them from living, but I don't think they should. Go ahead and live your life, and uh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Cactus Jack stood tall as he shared his wisdom, clearly proud with a slight grin peeking out from his white mustache. I was burned July 20th, 2018, in an arson apartment fire. That's Zach Shutterfield. He jumped headfirst from the third floor balcony to escape the arson blaze that claimed the lives of his friends and classmates. He survived, but was burned severely. We continue to get in new videos from the iconic village apartment fire burning right now in San Marcos. Zach wouldn't call it iconic as he sits across the room from me on the couch at his family's home. I was burned on 68% of my body, full thickness. Um, I became a double amputee within the first two weeks, losing all of my fingers on my left hand and most of the residual digits on my right hand. I went from hospital life and surgeries and rehab to um, uh, quarantining in my house because there was a worldwide pandemic. And the last thing I wanted to do was spend more time in the hospital. Being from the area, I've known Zach's story for years now, but I've never imagined the new challenges he and his family would face during the pandemic, going from hospital stays to quarantining in his home. We don't know how it would affect his breathing because of smoke damage from the fire. Um, he is does have immune issues. Zach's mom, Deanna, and dad, Carl, wanted to talk about the past 18 months, but they wanted to do it together without Zach in the room. You could tell the past three to four years have been tough on the family. So they sat next to each other, holding hands and sharing a single cup of coffee. That's the quintessential biggest fear that we have is what would happen if Zach got COVID? I mean, he does have a compromised immune system. He does have a traumatic brain injury. Could it kill him? I don't, I don't know. Zach's injuries are severe, internally and externally. But if you just listen to his voice and his calm demeanor, you would never imagine all of the surgeries and non-FDA-approved medical trials he's been through just to survive. I had a severe traumatic brain injury. I'd had to have, I think it was three craniotomies, three neurosurgeries. I've had 30 skin graft surgeries. Just recently, I got a thumb. That was my most recent surgery, so. Zach pauses holds up his hand showing off his new thumb. He's proud of it, and a tear running down his cheek confirms just that. That's just, that, that's the cherry on top. I can finally hold uh, my mom's hand, I can feed myself, uh, just kind of getting back to normal now. I think we as a family um, looked at it and said, I've, I have spent far too much time in the hospital. Um, the least we can do is be safe and be cautious, and if that means going online for education, then that's what we'll do. I think when you're in the ER, and when you're in the ICU, that's not politics. That's not religion. That's not social media. That's when reality hits you. Zach is one of the most vulnerable when it comes to the virus. He is also part of the San Angelo community. So why are some of his neighbors putting him at risk? Zach has a theory. And one of the things that I find really interesting is the 
lack of, especially in my community, the lack of vaccines, like the lack of people not getting it or being too hesitant or saying they believe in conspiracy theories. I, I think, you know, that stems from people believing they're the main character in their story, um, believing that they're infallible and that nothing can happen to them because why would anything happen to the main character? I fell into that for sure when I moved out uh, to college. I, I thought nothing could happen to me, that I was invincible. And I woke up six months later um, out of a coma, um, missing my skull. Because I thought that I was invincible. Let's get back to November 13, 2020, where we started. Zach was at home waiting out the pandemic, while Caleb Wallace stood defiantly in front of the city's COVID task force. My health has nothing to do with you. It's not my job for your health. As harsh as that sounds, but our constitutional fundamental rights protect that. Caleb saw mass mandates and closures as an attack on his personal rights and freedoms. I'm sorry that comes off as blunt and that I don't care. I do care. I care more about freedom than I care about your personal health. Reporter John Tufts has been covering Caleb's story since August 2021. It's become more than a story for him. It's something that is impacting him in a very personal way. Talking about Caleb Wallace is important. Here you have a gentleman who, very conservative, didn't believe in masks, didn't believe that uh, COVID-19 was as serious as what it needed to be. He was a staunch opponent of any kind of mandate or any kind of health official telling you what you could and could not do. On that day in November 2020, it was supposed to be a media-only event, not open to the public. The city was doing its best to limit the number of people gathering indoors, but somehow, Caleb found his way to the front of the podium. So where's the accountability? Who's putting checks and balances on Shannon Hospital with the data collection? Because at the 9 a.m. phone calls you guys talk about every day, the citizens are involved. We don't get a say. Who's putting the checks and balances? Caleb was more than a leader of the San Angelo Freedom Defenders or an anti-mask activist. At the same time, Caleb Wallace was a father. He was a father of three, soon to be four. He was a husband, he was a son. He was a person just like you or me, and he got sick. Caleb was positive for COVID-19. His story will also stick with the mayor for years to come. When I brought up the topic during our interview, you could tell she was working to fight back emotions when talking about him. You know, Caleb, when he was in the hospital, I'm like, I'm praying for you. I'm telling you, I'm praying every hour for you. You need to make make it out of that hospital. and he and. You know, he still thought he had a chance. Caleb's story went viral seamlessly overnight. The paper's headline, Texas anti-mask organizer clinging to life. The photos they shared was of Jessica, Caleb's wife, holding a phone with Caleb's three little girls huddling around it. All four seemed to have a smile while talking to Caleb, who was sedated. But as you look at other images, the smiles disappear and are replaced by tears. Photographer Colin Murphy captured those emotional images. We started photographing just the kids playing outside on the swing. and Jessica suggested that they could try and contact the hospital and see if they could get Caleb uh, on, a, on a video call and, and talk to him. He was, he was intubated at that time and, and very, very ill with COVID and sedated. Colin became a fly on the wall quietly snapping and capturing the intimate moments, while Jessica would often forget he was even in the room. 
Because of COVID protocols, John couldn't report the story in person, so he was on another phone line miles away during his interviews, listening and updating and preparing his articles. He's unresponsive. He's intubated. She's pleading with him to fight. And he can't say anything. That's sad. For Colin, that assignment and that moment hit close to home. And so that was, that was extremely difficult to witness, especially from a personal level for me because I went through a very similar experience. Uh, I lost my father in October of 2020 to COVID. Some of the things that they were saying to, to Caleb Wallace were the exact same things I said to my dad. Um, you know, you gotta fight. You just, you gotta fight a little longer and we want you to get better and we love you and come home. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't. Um, so, yeah, that was that was an extremely difficult situation, um, just because I went through all the, almost the exact same thing. Colin slowly hangs his head, fighting back tears. For reporter John Tufts, the story wasn't any easier. Jessica told me something that <laughs> it. Uh, it, uh, it, it really tears at your heartstrings that her five-year-old daughter every day would remind their mother if they hadn't made that phone call to talk to their daddy that they need to, uh, they need to uh, call Shannon. And Jessica Wallace told me that in, uh, her five-year-old daughter would say, I have to talk to the doctors, mommy. I have to, uh, I have to tell them to uh, make sure that my daddy stays well. That's such a hard thing. It's, it's, it's incredibly sad. His, his family was going through uh, hell, and no family should have to go through that. Whatever strength you have as an individual, you start to lose when you're health compromised. On that November afternoon in 2020, when Caleb was at the mic, Mayor Gunner stood quietly, cupping her hands together, showing little emotion. But towards the end of my interview with her nearly a year later, that changed. She fought back the tears when describing her personal relationship with Caleb and his family. And he shared with me one day, he said, you know what, you and I have a lot of differences of opinion on many things, but he said, my wife says that she hopes our three girls grow up to be just like you. What does that do to you? You wanna cry, I mean, you hurt for that. You know, you hurt for that family right now and knowing, you know, he, and that's why I say to people, make sure you, tr you go to the people who really do have the correct information because one bad choice can be very devastating. Caleb Wallace died on August 28, 2021 after spending weeks in the hospital battling COVID-19. He left behind a wife and four children. The next day, St. Angel would go on to report over 100 new positive cases, and dozens more would lose the fight against the virus in the coming weeks. I'm storyteller Cody Broadway. I hope you enjoyed episode one of Dying to be Wrong. Here's what you can expect in the coming weeks from this series. First, they tried to shut us down a little bit, but you know, they figured out that we ain't gonna be shut down, so. We're going to live our lives. We're going through a pandemic. 
but it's not the end of the world. God is with us. Tuesday morning, they called me and said, Ed is getting intubated. I'm afraid that it's gonna be a time when the good people to survive have to do a bad thing. And that's on the Bible. Please subscribe now to Dying to Be Wrong wherever you listen to podcasts to get automatic downloads of new episodes as they become available. For more, please visit lx.com slash dying to be wrong. That's lx.com slash D-Y-I-N-G-T-O-B-E-W-R-O-N-G.